We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, the people of the Gubby Gubby Nation, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Take A Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. It's time for the uh, sponsorship read. Let's get into it. Of course, we want a website, uh, some details about their programs and maybe where people can find them on the socials. Yeah, love it. Well, we'll start off with the website. So www.suncoastspinners.com.au is where you can find all of their upcoming information about any events, tournaments, local programs, uh, where to be and what time. Uh, Spot on, Jimmy. Great. Over to you, Cam. Definitely Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We don't know about TikTok. We might have to get them onto TikTok, definitely. They're not a very big social media. Well, we know that they have a link tree which has all of them listed on it. So jump on their link tree and you'll be able to find it from suncoastspinners.com.au. And who are we thanking for the money? Uh, I want to throw a big shout out to Bridie Keane and the rest of the board for supporting us and backing us on this venture. You guys are doing really well at this now. You're getting real pro, to be honest. (laughs) We'll we'll cut this up and it will sound beautiful when we get it to air. Love it. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone. It's a little bit different today. You probably hear that I'm introducing the episode instead of James. That is because James is still over in England, and this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. But welcome back to episode 21. We have Sebastian Bashara talking to James live in the studio in England. So I'm going to throw over to James to talk to Seb, and you'll listen to the episode. Uh, well, yeah, thanks, Seb, for jumping on board. This is absolutely insane how we've actually managed to scoop up this little podcast room where we are in the moment. This is so unexpected. In Soho. But no, thank you so much for jumping on board. Um, yeah, thank you. It's Nick. massive. So, I love you. You do? Well, yeah. See, the thing is, what's really funny is on the way here at the beginning of the World Cup campaign, I was sitting in the bus right, and I'm driving along. <laughs> and I'm, picture you, yeah. So, I hate Seb. I'm going to smash him in the first game. No, no, no. no. So, it's, it's a classic, right? So you, if you're familiar with my Instagram, I've, I did those reflections a few months ago and I was going through basically my journey. I wanted to say thanks to everyone involved in the in the State of Origin game and it sort of went a bit beyond what I actually wanted to do. And I was like, to actually thank everyone, I need to thank everyone in my past from getting me from where I started to where I am. Okay. So it got into a bit bigger of a project than what it should have been. I got to, I got thinking, I was like, I want to interview Seb. I, we're gonna, I'm going to interview Seb at some Bef- point. Before coming over? No, this Before is, meeting this, me again? Yes, before even meeting you. This was like, because we were chatting via text at that point, I believe, or at least maybe oh, with wow. Jack. We're already flirting. <laughs> so I don't know when I wrote this one particularly, but let's have a look, Sebastian... Thoughts. This was on the <laughs> on the flight, so it was like day one, Brisbane to Sydney, playing to the final whistle. Thinking about me and my role. Funny is that I wrote this. I had this thought on the bus, and it was like, I don't think I'm going to be on the starting five. You, yeah, yeah. And I just, I just, I had this thought, and in my head, I then said, if I had a disability, I would be on the starting five. Uh-huh. And then I was like, what a what a stupid comment. Like, what a stupid thought. And then so I'm like, I, I was like, I have to write about this. Like, I have to get this on my head, and I'm and sort of. Uh, journal it a bit and so I wrote it down a bit but I got I went on and on and on and on and on and on and I was like you know who would be a great person to talk to this was would be Seb and then I started writing your I got your own little yeah I was going to ask what what made you want to interview me you hated me so at the current time let's in, let's introduce Sebastian Rashara all-star team not only for the wheelchair all-star team also for the world cup dream team dream team so that that encompassed men's women's wheelchair and physical disability rugby league yeah yeah, all four. 
So that's mm-hmm. quite a thing. I think there was only three wheelchair players. It was me, Jack, and Jeremy. Yes. So congratulations. Thank you very much. On that. Let alone, you've brought the, the medal in with you, and yeah. it is a, a hunk of medal. It is. It is. I couldn't carry over the, the Golden Boot Trophy, but that was way too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so, all-star team member, in the pitch, an absolute nightmare for any opponent. One might say a constant thorn in your side, and that uh, <laughs> relates back to a, a home it. article based on Brad Grove, actually. And then so I started writing. I said, my now my first interaction with you, Seb, was when we played one another in Murrayfield, 2019. <laughs> and there's actually a great video on YouTube if anyone wants to watch this. <laughs> I love the memory. Five easy steps to, what was it? How to annoy um, Seb. What was it? It's a cracker. I actually watched it the other night again. Yeah. Yeah, we first played 2019, uh, Queensland, England. And myself. I just say that was the only game in my whole career I've ever been angry. So you can confirm you're angry. I was severely angry, (laughs) terminally angry. Oh, definitely. So a particularly notable incident in our first collision on court. You proper cleaned me up. Don't remember. All right, but it only got worse from there because then there was the first penalty I got against you. I had had a hold of your tag on the shoulder, and you ripped off one off the lap, and you sit there looking at him like. Are you oh, was that you as well? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. And I'm just there like, yes, let's go. <laughs> England? Big no. rigs? No way. No <laughs> shot. <laughs> well, we still win 100 to nil or something. Absolutely. Right? Well, anyway, we got the first, we got the first try. We got the first try. No oh, need yeah. to talk about that. Moving on. So, yeah, proper clean me up and some. Pushing me to the floor after hitting me. It was from that point on, I, I thought, gee, that Seb guy, what a prick. <laughs> <laughs> what a prick. What a prick. And so... It's rugby, mate. It is. Deal it is. With it. But that's it. And then I don't know when it, what happened, what changed at some point. But now I'm, I'm actually loving the experience that w- that we've been able to have, like me personally, been able to have in this World Cup. You know, being we had a Friday afternoon or whatever it was off after a training, where we met up down at the bar and had a drink. It's been sensational to grow these friendships between international players. Yeah, that's it's something I love. Every time we have these competitions back in 2017, meeting all the other teams, it was just, it was just brilliant. You know, meeting all the Australian lads and the, the Spanish and everything. It was just, it's just, just so good. To be amongst you know rugby lads from other countries and stuff, yeah, it's yeah. always um, really really fun. I'm going to ask the first question. The first first and biggest question is, what's it like to win, or what does it mean? What did what did it, it? It clearly meant a lot for you to win this win this medal, and this it's more than a medal, and it's more than a, a title. Yeah, it, it's it, what it is. represents, isn't it? Wow. I mean, the cliche answer just means so much, but obviously we we work really hard for this. I'm, I've always been very very competitive, like everything I've ever done in my whole life. I've always taken everything so seriously. If I'm go-karting, if I don't win, I'm like mad. <laughs> Any card game, I, I hate it. And, and anything unfair, I get really angry at it. Just competitive. Just because I'm competitive. Yeah. And that's why I got angry in that game because Tim was you know, calling me off when he should have called you off for a penalty first but for holding the tag and not ripping it off. That competitive me just, just always wants to win things. And, and then when I fell in love with I really did fall in love with this game. Uh, I felt like really passionate about it I always loved rugby I've always loved sports but when I started wheelchair rugby league it was just a whole new love story and I really fell in love with this game and, and I just wanted to you know do my best at it and and I got into the England team and then you know it was a dream to to get to a world cup and then a dream to to win one many say I won't but many say the world cup final 2017 was very unfair <laughs> and and the amount of hard work I put into that I mean I remember honestly I, I think I stopped drinking alcohol for about a year I went to the gym like mad for a, a long time I think from 2015 to 2017 all, all my thoughts were on the World Cup and I was really really focused on that I stopped I was doing my master's degree at university and I stopped that just to focus on the World Cup 
And, and then I, I made a move to England for about two or three months just to focus massive on the Massive sacrifices. Massive sacrifices. I, I put everything on the side, everything, friends, friendship, girlfriends, family, money, everything aside just to just for this, just because I was competitive enough to want to win. <laughs> and this meant a lot to me. And then, so losing that, I mean, you know, I've mentioned it so many times in different interviews and stuff, but I don't think anyone realizes how how heartbreaking it was for me. So the last three minutes of the game, they scored a try and we lost the game. But it was what I've watched it back about a hundred times, and I think Jack Brown has as well. And 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 we can all agree on some of the very biased French decisions. <laughs> but anyway, I can't talk about that. Too They're much. rather notable Vis- visual. visual. But, but that's what made it even more heartbreaking because we we didn't just lose a game. If we'd lost a game, I would it would have hurt me, but I would have. It felt like it was robbery. Yeah, it felt like robbery. It just felt unfair, and that and that is something that really annoys you. So after that, that's when I. I grabbed a backpack and I went to South America for six months trying to forget about the sport. Although right after the World Cup, I do remember thinking that was a great experience. I really want this sport to grow. I need to do everything I can to get this worldwide. I need to start. And so when I went to South America, I was thinking, I'm going to get this started in Argentina. I had contacts there that played wheelchair basketball and I was going to start wheelchair rugby league there. And and I just got lost in in all the the traveling. But I really wanted to help this sport grow because I, I just love it so much. So then... For this World Cup, the same thing happens again, really. It's like a lot of sacrifice again. Last year, I moved to England for six months this time. So with lockdown and quarantine rules, I couldn't travel over for camps, for England camps, because coming over to England, you had to quarantine for 14 days. And it was like, I think it was £490 or something for three COVID tests when you want to get into the UK back then. So I had no choice but to move to England, otherwise I couldn't get to any of the England camps. And obviously we'd lost our captain, Jack Brown, who had moved to... to are we all right to swear on this podcast? Or yeah, what? yeah, go for it. I was going to yeah. say fucking Australia. <laughs> and <laughs> he moved to fucking Australia. And so we were left without a captain. And I, and I kind of felt like, oh, well, a lot of people look up to me in this team because I've, I've been you know, in the squad for a while now. I'm hardworking. I was in the starting five for a long time. So I, I need to be there to like help set the standards. And I just hated the fact that I couldn't get to the camps. So I, I had to make a really tough decision. I had a girlfriend at the time and I was like, I'm I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to England and we're not going to be able to see each other because there's quarantine rules and all that and it's fucking expensive. So yeah, move, move, to, move to England to stay with Wayne, Wayne Boardman. And I was there, yeah, at least at least five months and then found out the World Cup was postponed. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. And so that's five months of earning no money at all. Because, so my job is to play the trumpet. I, I do, you know, professional music concerts and, and stuff like that. And and it was really hard to... I mean, I couldn't work over in England. You're bloody, bloody good trump. Is it trumpeteer? I don't know. In in French, it's trumpetiste. So... Trumpetiste. I'd just say trumpet player in English. I never I never get it right. And I'd never know. But people always question me about that. Is it trumpeteer? Is it trumpetist? Is it trumpet player? Like, no, no clue. Just no. a musician. I'm a musician. Yeah. Leave me alone. So yeah, it just means like, all that sacrifice. That is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Did not know any of that. Yeah, and so I just make so much sacrifice for this sport. So obviously, when you get to those moments, you've, you've and, and especially after, I mean, I played eighty minutes. Like at the, at the end, you're like emotionally so tired, and then the whistle blows, and 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 you've won, and you just, you just, your mind just goes a bit like when you you die, I guess. You get all these flashbacks, all these memories of of what happened, the journey to get there, and I was like, God, all this sacrifice, the hard work, everything has finally. Finally, fucking paid it's off. Finally, got there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sense of achievement just overwhelming. I know. Yeah, it was the, sh- the shots. The shots of of your emotion 
Uh, well, the, the entire team and you particularly yeah. were were breathtaking. We just you, couldn't it, hold it in. You could you could genuinely see it see pouring what out it of meant. you. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah was, I think there's no words to describe it. You've got to you've got to see it visually. You just yes. go on BBC iPlayer, watch it back, and then that's where you can see what it meant. It was just so so special. Yes, so special. This is a real sense of pride pouring out of you. Like oh, that. mate. A... <laughs> and, that, and that's a, a sense of pride is something a lot of people question me about. Well, how come you're so proud to be English? Because obviously I moved to France when I was nine. Well, that's it. And, and so you play in both leagues, but you are, you are of French descent? Is that no, 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 not at all. So I'm, I'm, my my mum is English and, and the whole family on her side is English. My dad was born in Alexandria, yes. Egypt. And yes, on his did, side, tell me this. Yes, 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 on his side, he comes from a Lebanese family on one side and Maltese on the other. And then they got kicked out of Egypt because of the revolution, etc. And then the whole family just separated and went all over the, the world. So a lot of them went to Australia, some went to Lebanon, some went to Canada, some went to England. So he was one that went to Lebanon and, and that was a French territory. So he did a, a baccalaureate. And then after that, he went to Canada to do his, his studies there. And then eventually, through work, moved to England and met my mum, and they both left their left their jobs. But so I was brought up as an English boy. Yeah. And then they just decided they wanted. We did this world tour, and we we stopped in Australia. My mum absolutely loved it, and thought, "Oh my god, the heat, the warmth, the beaches! I, I want to move here." Well, that's what that's what Jack thought. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jack thought. So so my mum wanted to the whole family to move to Australia, and then it was just too far away from from the family she, she felt it was too far away from the family so like there was a kind of in the middle decision let's go to the south of France yeah. and that's what happened and, and they wanted us to learn another language and both my parents spoke French so it was a yeah it was a, it was a good decision so that's that's why I moved to France I've got mm. no connection to any French family yeah, right. so I moved there when I was nine yeah okay well I might I might jump into then have you, have you listened to any of the podcasts before so I, I tried listening to Brad Grove but such a boring lad <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry, mate, Brad. I'm just to. kidding. Um, okay, so you know the hard cards then? No, I haven't. I actually no, I haven't. Okay, so they're just they're, they're a bunch of questions that Cam and I asked that are that sort of just taboo. Some of them aren't too hard, but they're hard to answer. They're kind of like if I was to come up to you and ask you in in public, like it's just a stupid question, like how do you walk without that prosthetic? I don't know, just stupid oh, questions. Yeah, or like um, for example, another one is like, what do your dreams look like visually? Are you do you have a prosthetic leg or do you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah your previous to the, the incident. Actually, that's probably worthwhile topping. Do you mind <coughs> giving a brief introduction to you yep. as how you would explain you? Who am I? Yes. Is that the question? Uh, a brief, give us a 30 second like uh, elevator pitch of you. Okay. So I'm Seb. I'm English. Um, I'm a bit wild sometimes and out of control. I am a baloney amputee following a motorbike accident. I love wheelchair rugby league and many other sports. I have been... A musician for a long time. I play the trumpet, so that creates perfect equilibrium, balance between rugby lad, so physical, strong, but also a visionary, creative. Yeah, I'm sitting here and he's saying all this with some vigor in his face. I'm trying to look, look at you with some sexy eyes here, but you're not getting the vibe from me. Anyway, so I mean, yeah, dream, dreamy that's, eyes. That's, just yeah. <laughs> we've got two mustaches here, just staring at each other. Have you? Have all you, these words. Have you had compliments about your mustache? Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think it's I pretty got... trash. And I get <laughs> shitty comments on, on Facebook. Oh, everyone from back home's like, that's not a mustache. But I'm walking around London. But you look wonderful with it. Mate, I get tapped on the shoulder. Random people on the street. Nice tash. I was at the clubs last night. Oh mate, my God. English people are open-minded, so that's why. Yeah. I was at the clubs last night and some 
for some random bloke, literally, I'm at the bar trying to order my beverage and I get this, I just get pulled behind on my shoulder. I'm like, oh, what's, what's going on here? And he goes, that's a bloody good tash. <laughs> <I'm> like, Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I'll, and he walked off and that was it. I was like, what is going on? Oh, following the final, I got a message on Instagram from a girl saying, I came for the rugby, but I stayed for your mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, that's a brilliant comment. Thank that you is. very much. Oh my God. That's fantastic. I didn't, I didn't get a message like that. So if anyone's out there, um, <laughs> Well, please. you weren't in the final, were you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first hard card question. Let me... Okay, so Cam's put some new ones in there. And keep in mind, this is a little bit weird because Cam's back in Australia. We tried to organise this, didn't quite pan out how we thought it was. And now Seb and I are here in a podcast studio in the in underground London building. Soho. Some, yeah, somehow. Somehow this worked out. First hard card question <coughs> was, why did you come on this podcast? Why? Because you asked me to, and and I love you so much that I would do anything for you. Stop it! I just okay. went across whole of London to you come did, and you meet really up with did, you. Yeah. I, like, I took a bus for two hours, and then I went in the underground with it was on strike. <laughs> it was, <laughs> and then walked around town in shorts to try and find you, having not ate yet. The things I would do for rugby players. Stop it! Okay, that's especially ones with mustaches. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's perfect. Question number two: Is there something? that you are holding on to in the past? And he asked that in the sense that relating to your disability or injury or accident. Anything relating to this? No, not really. I don't hold on. I mean, I, I got through it pretty easily. And then the only thing I found hard at the time, I was with this girlfriend and we'd been together for four years. Uh, I was 18 at the time of my accident. And, and a month after being amputated, she, she said to me, Sorry, but I, I didn't go out with you to be out to be with a disabled person, and then, and that was like I was like oh <laughs> really that really hurt. So so like I I got I was eighteen freshly amputated and I didn't care honestly I was like yeah whatever I'll get on with life it will be fine and and I was when when this happened I was the London Paralympics were on which were like the best Paralympics that ever had been and they they were on show and I was watching that I was thinking this is this is brilliant and I asked the doctors will I be able to play. Rugby on the beach with my, my friends and all that. I said, "Yeah, sure, you can do anything." I'm like, well, cool then. What's the what's the issue? Cut my leg off quick. Yeah, and I, and I was I was fine with that. And then she and I've always been a bit of an emotional guy. And and then she said that to me and left me. And and this was like I'm 18. This is my first love. And I was heartbroken. I thought, fuck, no woman's ever gonna want me ever again. I'm disabled now. So that I held on to that for about three weeks <laughs> and then I started going out with my physio and I was like oh this is like <laughs> and we went to Milan together and stuff and it was it was it was brilliant but um yeah that that was something I held on to for a while and I, and I think that did so my next serious relationship after that I think I never admitted it but I still inside quite deeply had a few confidence problems I thought oh, mm. do, can I still please women because of this and I, I had to prove it to myself so I was a bit naughty on the side for for a few years before I understood how heartbreaking it was to to that lady. Um, so yeah, that's something I held on to for a while. Otherwise, not really. I, w I wasn't really bothered about it. It was really just that event that made me... I think that that, yeah. that last comment you just made shows says a whole lot about you. The fact that not only that have you lost your leg, but you're also holistically open-minded to the fact that it also Im impacted her. So. Oh yeah, well, I, I'd never... So the, this girlfriend that left me saying that, I, I never held it, hold, held it against her. I thought, well, it's understandable. She's 18. It's a massive shock in life to your, your your boyfriend that you've been with for four years as your first love, and he's just suddenly lying in a hospital bed, and you don't know what his future looks like. And I got it, and and although I was 
trying to understand it for a while you know oh, if you could look at me now World <laughs> Cup winner golden boot I'm sitting here holding up his medal saying look at me now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I, I fully understand and I've never held it against her She, I think she felt bad drawn in life mm. she kind of avoids avoids me and avoids speaking to me but I, I heard from her her parents said congrats and they sent it through my parents that's lovely because th- that was the thing also at the time her parents were like my you know second parents I, I was at hers all the time from from the age of 14 to 18 I was with them all the time that they I, they were like you know figures to me and from that day never heard from them ever not one message nothing not anything to say you know wow yeah it was weird so yeah not only did you lose your leg you lost you lost a lot you know, yeah at that point I lost a lot and and of, of course I'd, I mean I, I bought that motorbike at the time because I'd started working as a musician and I it was a dream of mine to have a motorbike and I spent all the money I had to buy a brand new motorbike and uh, it was my fault so so I didn't get any insurance money or anything like that so I lost a lot of money I remember it right lying down in the hospital bed writing a note on my iPhone like this is all the things I'd lost and it was just a long list of girlfriend money motorbike leg and I was just going, the, list, the list just kept going down I was like the thing you would do when you're you're depressed but so you you were you were at a state of depression no no not at all I was just it's just it was one of the things I did in the first first three weeks and form of coping I, I don't know I just I just guess I had to do it mm. what a roller coaster the take a seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners the Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair based sporting club they run social inclusion programs including but not limited to basketball and rugby if you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergen, Morayfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au. Moving on to the third question. <laughs> this is, this is uh, now Jack hijacks this one. So we asked our listeners, we have a new link on our link tree where you can send in a response. You can video uh, send a video message into Cam and I, and we'll play it live in our, in our next episode. A video? Or, no, uh, a, a voice message. Voice message. Yeah, a voice message. And, and, we can, and we can play it. We can physically play it. Hi, this is uh, Jack Brown. You know- you know, long time listener, first time caller, Sebastian. You know, congratulations on your golden boot. Um, how many um, man of the matches did you win? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, he knows how to give me a little heartbreak, doesn't he? <laughs> Talk about we're here. We are opening up, having quite a sentimental conversation, and and Jack comes in with that. That's heartbreaking. Well. That's to be thing. to be totally honest. You and I were talking about this previously, only just a couple of days ago. We were talking about reviewing the match. Yeah. To which you said that I have no faith to the game. Something around that. Something. I have no commitment. De- no de- dedication. No dedication. Commitment, yeah. you, you, it takes you about two well, weeks mate, to watch I'm, an eighty-minute game. Mate, I'm here have, living my life. Like, yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. sorry, living the best life possible. Yeah. So, what yeah. was your review? Do you want to give your share yeah, yeah. your thoughts so, right now? So, uh, as we as we said, who was it? It looked there were a few players that were a bit out of sort, out of scat in the first twenty minutes, and some that lasted the whole game. We were talking, and so there were, obviously it was just sort of, for me, what I was trying to say to you via the text was it looked like all five players knew what they wanted to do, but there were different ways of doing it. And a lot of that came from a change in pace. So some players wanting to play a lot faster, some were wanting to slow it down and, and, and keep the composure, complete sets, et cetera, et cetera. But what that lacked on was it would, it would 
they were only shooting themselves in the foot when they had momentum from players that were playing fast. That's where the opportunity comes to spread the ball and push and break or push to the back of a chair and so, so, so forth. But what was the, what was the comment? I said, I said, Lewis King was shooting out like a virgin at a, at a red light party. <laughs> uh, sorry, at a travel like party. Um, sorry, Lewis. I mean, I lo- love Lewis, um, but he was, for, for me watching it, he was the one that consistently jumped out the defensive line or was pushing up f- front on. And that's where a lot of the breaks came. And then in the first 20 minutes, at least, mm. there was one instance where you had to push Rob and then you, you injured your finger uh, when he was coming in behind you to help cover. Someone broke down, broke, broke, had a break down the line and you had to push him back into position. But ultimately, it just came down to a very fine line with a lot of different skills. And, we were, and this is what we were discussing, is the ability to either break through the line or attempt to break through the line, but stay in the chair, maintaining your ability to either push through, but if you get tagged to stop at an instant, re-tag and play the ball at the same time and then continue to play the game and build on momentum in each each play the ball. Yeah. It's a game of momentum, not yardage. Yes. That was that was a fantastic comment. But back to the point of the question was how many player of the matches did you get? It was technically none, but in my opinion, you would have definitely been player of the match in the final. Thank you. Well, it's funny because the first game Jack Brown got man of the match, but I got so many messages saying, Seb, you deserve man of the match for that game in particular, the first one. And and I think I do a lot of the work that people don't see. And and, and that's always been a frustration of mine because, because like, for example, you watch the final, I made 50 tackles. And then the next person down the line, I think was Joe Coyd with 22. And next down the line was 20 with Jack Brown. But then after that, it's like six or seven from someone else. So a lot of people focus on the attack. Well, you, you, you said this, and I, and I totally agree with it, is that those that score the tries are heavily rewarded and those that yeah. set the tries up yeah. are, are, are the unsung heroes, as you said. Yeah, so, so I mean, like, I, could, I can't say this for Tom Halliwell in the final because he his two tries were like literally just came from nothing, really. They're just oh. like Jeremy Borson sleeping on the first one and then I guess, I guess the second one there was like support lines and all that and, and they were a bit, I don't know, Nico for some reason bit instead of, instead of going right on Tom. Well, at that point, it comes down to fatigue on their part, right? Yeah, and Nico, they, Nico had played 80 minutes, so yeah. he was obviously fatigued. And there were, there were threats out to his to his right side where he pushed, so he had to honour that. He had to honour scraps and yourself, I yeah. think, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, I was pushing a support line to the left. I was screaming yes. like mad yes. to the left. And I think that put doubt in Jill, but it didn't put doubt in Nico. Nico was looking at the other side. But and, yeah, and no, that, because Nico got caught on his wheel, right? I don't know. He, he was Tom, just Tom just gave him a little shivy, tucked the right shoulder yeah, over. I don't know, Nico kind of bit early. So you're supposed to like set up on the inside shoulder and push someone outwards. And Nico kind of pushed already to the outside of, of yes, Tom. Yes. And and Tom, I mean, he's, he's, he's a world-class player. He's not stupid. If if someone does that, he knows he can get the inside of him. And and the only way he, he could have been stopped is if Gilles had been there in support. But because I was screaming like mad on the left, Gilles was worried about me and then yeah. Gilles missed the tackle as well. Yes. And he got through. So I thought Tom, his tries were brilliant. Absolutely. Although he wasn't cons- consistent in the 80 minutes. This, this is my honest opinion. I thought he he had two moments of brilliance throughout the whole game and then the rest of the time, he, he, I mean, I think most a lot of players lost us a lot of momentum. I don't think we played our best game. Well, I don't think that that game was, and I think this, this is what we shared as well, that, that game wasn't the greatest game of rugby. It was the greatest no. game of defence by both teams. Oh, defence was sick. Yeah, Both teams just uh, uh, disrupting the ability to play offence. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you want a lesson on disrupting the tempo, <laughs> that's the game to watch. Yeah. I mean, both teams were doing it. It's absolute excellence. I, I remember, I thought Rob sometimes in the disruption was amazing. So was Joe, and and I think I was as well. And that's a, it's a funny thing, because you and I are talking about this, 
but listeners to the game and first-time viewers and sometimes commentators that, that know very well the game and are very involved, they can't even pick it up. So this, yeah. what we're talking about here is to make a tackle where you rip off the tag on the shoulder. However, if you're wanting to disrupt play or slow play down, as in allow your defense to reset and slow down the ability for the offense to then continue pushing, you're going to either slap at the tag or slap at the shoulder or just pull it, niggle it, niggle it, niggle it, niggle it until your defense is set or you've just given them two extra three seconds yeah. to try and put that other tag on. And it's it's a skill because... It's definitely a skill because you can get caught for a penalty. So you've got to like find the perfect balance between not getting penalized for it, but slowing their ball down as much as possible. And if you can like bash their chair so they're not straight and they have to reset and, and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's a skill for sure. Absolutely. But they're not going too long to allow them to offload the ball. And then your defense is... Yeah. So you've got to time it right so they can't offload it and stuff. Yeah, of yeah. course. I thought Diab did a great job in the semi-finals. He, he caught Lionel Alazar twice. Like He just bashed his arm slightly, but very discreetly. And then Alazar dropped the ball and, and got called for a knock-on both times, I thought. Wow. I watched that because I, I was only trying to analyse the performance of Oli Crookshanks as a, as a ref because I knew he was red, head ref for our final. So I wanted to know what his calls were like. I wasn't expecting... All the calls being made from the other ref. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, we'll wait for the uh, internal investigation for that one. But so anyway, yeah. Back to the main question. I didn't get any man of the matches, but Jack, I deserve that first one. <laughs> and in the vinyl, if you go, if you go on stats, I've I've looked at the RLWC stats. I'm top of everything. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to big myself up here. No, but no, no. Honestly, I was I was consistent in everything. I all my carries, I kept the momentum going. I ran a lot of support lines. I defensively was everywhere. I've watched this back and I don't want to be cocky or arrogant or anything, but I've watched this back and this is my honest opinion. I thought I have, I'd actually played a good game. And I remember coming back to the hotel after that game and one of my best mates was there. He was like, oh, do you think you played a good game? And I was like, um, I don't know. I think so, yeah. I didn't do anything special, but yeah, I played a good game. And But I wasn't sure. He put kind of put doubt in my mind and that's why I watched it back a few times. I thought, well, I did everything I had to do. Like all the whole eighty minutes, my I was consistent and I kept the momentum going. My tackling was always on point. Slowing the play of the ball was brilliant. You know, I ran a lot of support lines and did did my job. Did everything I had to do. Yeah, I was quite satisfied with that. And then I thought the creativity sometimes was a bit oppressed by by other players slowing down and trying to earn the right a bit too much. So we had this discussion about earning the right. And you, you go into these big games, you, and the, the worst thing you want to do is lose the possession of the ball. In the very first minute, which is exactly what we did. <laughs> Poor Rob. Yeah, I know it was it was such a such a shame. But honestly, you want to earn the right. You want to you know you're not you don't. So we we said you win the game early, but you score the points later. And we weren't trying to score points straight away. We were just like earning the right, trying to win that possession battle, get the ball down their side of the field, high end finishers, and then and then gradually work towards putting some points on the scoreboard. So I think we took the earn the right bit a bit too far mm. and we we kept that mentality for the full 80 instead of doing it for 10 minutes yeah yeah didn't you respect yourselves enough to actually play football yeah yeah I, I really thought wow we're not even trusting ourselves to make one pass here when we're like you know we're in a world cup final we know how to pass the ball yeah and the one time we did it we we scored a try on the on the left wing with lewis like we, and we did like a chain of four passes which are all brilliant and all on point so we can do it it's just everyone was a bit too afraid to do it in, in this level of a game Absolutely. I mean, I talk about that, right? That, and that's what it comes down to is the fact that the, the message I sent you earlier was your world-class athletes show the world why. But for a lot of us, and I think in that interview that The Guardian released, where I feature prominently, <laughs> the fact that a lot of us come from 
playing scenarios where we're only playing in front of 50 people, and that is a milestone. And the grand final, the final you had was 4,500 people. Yeah, four and a half thousand plus. It's amazing. A million and a half or something on on TV. It was quite. It was a spectacle and a half, and it was such an the, amazing. The roars. Oh God, I've got a video. You know what the funniest thing is? Not the funniest, but the greatest thing is. And I've been talking, discussing a lot, someone about this recently. Household names for sports. You know, back in Australia, you've got uh, Dusty Dusty Martin, uh, AFL Richmond, Nick Revolt. Um, you know, Ben Hunt, Rugby League. Um, you know, Nathan Cleary. And then it's interchange for England, number six, Jack Brown, and the whole stadium yeah, just lit, lit off. It was crazy. So, does everyone here know Jack, or is everyone just looking at the person next to them who's screaming their lungs out and they're going for it themselves? So, so, yeah, I think God. a lot of people had seen his performance in the semifinals. I think a lot of people there had watched the first game and maybe the semifinals, at least. Like, yeah. they, like they found out about it during the first game. Against against you guys, against Australia, which went trending number four on Twitter, etc., and had loads of, of viewers. I think the first game was seven hundred thousand or something, which was groundbreaking already for us. And that was the most live viewed video ever on BBC iPlayer. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Or was it? Uh, but there was a video they shared as well on on internet, which was like the highest views they've ever, they've ever had. So I think a lot of people just knew who it was by then. Yeah. And, and when he came on, it was just the roar. But the, the World Cup winning try from Tom Halliwell, the roar of the crowd is absolute mad. I mean, I've yeah. got the video of it and it's just... Yeah, if you, if you send that to me, I'll, I'll post that on our, on our Facebook, on our crazy. Um, Instagram. Absolutely crazy. What was your take on the Wheeler Roos performance? Any advice for them? We're a relatively younger team coming in now. For instance, we had 18 meets, 18 days together in the year leading up to the World Cup. And a lot of the comments and personal feelings I've ever had is that we were actually worn out a lot in this in this tournament it came from a mindset of making use of every opportunity we have together, and we didn't actually we weren't able to perform at the top level at the games when we needed to. I was I was expecting quite a lot from you guys. I've watched you play back at home, and I thought, wow, they've all improved quite a lot. And I was coming up to the game against you with not fear, but I was taking you you really seriously. And then the game ha- arrived, and I thought, oh, they're actually quite easy to defend because I, I just thought. You weren't playing well together as a team. There was a lot of one-up carries, but not one-up carries with a fast play of the ball with momentum and going down the channel where where defence was retreating. It was like going to where we were just expecting you to come to. And I mean, it, it ended up you didn't even score one try uh, apart from that really lucky one because Rob Rob missed the catch unfortunately. But it ended up with no 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 tries from yourself. So I was I was really expecting you to play around more with the ball. So I remember. Australia from 2017. Who, was, who would who, sorry? Who would have been your first? Who would be your your starting five? Who would be my starting five? Well, I don't know how you all work together very well, but I do think Bailey yourself. So that's James Hill. Pete was all right, but then so I felt I was expecting a bit more from players like Zach, who made a lot of errors, ball handling errors, dropped the ball quite a few times. Um, Adam Tanuk, I don't know if it was because I, I saw some good stuff from him. But during the game, I don't know if it was, you know, the pressure, etc. But he, he wasn't being as creative, elusive as, as he usually is yeah. in the games I've seen. And Pete was just, when I mentioned, you know, one-up carries and doing nothing else, Pete was one of those players that, that kind of just came up with, with the ball in hand and, and just tried to smash through. But we show our wheels. So, like, we put the chair sideways. So, so smashing through doesn't really work. You know, we don't bounce off. He wasn't trying to evade us that that much. He was just going right into us. So it was a big hit. Didn't hurt. It was like, oh, this is a big hit, but this is not. He's not going anywhere. So yeah, I, I think I would put 
the Queensland players in the starting five, to be honest. I thought Diab was was all right, actually. I really rate, I rated Corey Kane a lot more than what I thought his performance showed. It's a shared shared opinion. I believe that him in 2017, I'm not sure what it is, whether it was just the caliber of athletes, the, the team around him, uh, whatever. I Corey's thought, his son. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, Corey Kane, yeah. I feel that he didn't perform to his best. But at saying that, I don't think anyone was able to perform at their best. And I'm not sure if that was the nerves. For me, I felt really restricted. I mean, in the games, I had no idea what we were trying to do as a team. I Yeah, and well, I, well, you could see that. It felt like yeah. you, you didn't know how to work together. If you watch the Spanish game, that's where I came alive and I took control personally. And be honestly saying that I feel like that was lacking in any other combination and every other game. So I, I didn't actually see your, your game against Spain because, I mean, we had games the same would, day and yeah. we couldn't watch it. But I did watch the semi-finals, for example, against France. And I saw some massive loss of awareness in defence. Like the first try they scored with Florian Gutadori that just goes through this this gap. I was like, well, how, they've just done one tackle. How is the gap already there? Yeah. And, and it just seemed like you hadn't worked out together as a team how you should be connected in defence. So England, we're all about being connected in D. And it's, it's a bit, we call it a dance. And when you watch us play, we always try and, our chairs are always turning the same way. There's never, you know, it never opens up like that. And that we're always turning the same way. We're like retreating behind the ruck and then pushing outwards. And we're always, always connected in D. And we can lose a bit of yardage. And, and, and as I've said, it's a game of momentum, not yardage. So we can lose a bit of yardage. We don't care as long as we stop you and we can slow your momentum down. And that's fine. And I, I really felt like you, you weren't connected together as a team nor in defence, nor in attack. I mean, this is both actually. It's not just defence. But yeah, your connections together as a team just didn't show. Any um, positive words to end this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a World Cup champion. All right, that's that's, that's perfect. I love that. I've got a girlfriend now, by the way. You do? You do? She's lovely. Yeah. I got her tickets. I I, I did get her tickets, but then you also sorted her tickets out yourself. So So I was just saying that because my stump hasn't stopped me. In life, <laughs> there you go. That's posi- that, That's a positive comment right there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Alrighty, that was an awesome episode talking to James and Seb there. I hope everyone enjoyed that one, and uh, we'll see you back in episode twenty-two. Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at sunkospinners.com.au. 